Welcome back everyone to Nautical Knowledge and Nonsense. This episode is with an old friend of mine and liveaboard sailor, Greta Varium, a successful former teenage mother who single-handedly raised a successful son in a very alternative lifestyle. Greta shares not only her liveaboard world, but also how she was able to overcome the many hardships she faced. In this interview recorded on Greta's boat, we cover many topics, diagnosing engine failures, how to rescue someone in heavy winds, the beauty and interesting features of the California Channel Islands, the time she mutinied and took over the command of another boat, how to live on a boat with your teenage son and get him to do the laundry. Parents, it's the best advice you will ever get. And so much more. So please enjoy this interview with the amazing liveboard sailor, Greta Varian. folks welcome to another episode of nautical knowledge and nonsense i'm here with a dear friend of mine uh, greta hi greta hello <laughs> welcome <laughs> um yeah so is this your first interview i think it is yeah ever like in your life i was in a high school broadcasting really so we did fun stuff like this but that was a long time ago wow cool yeah. all right very good well today's episode folks we greta is a live aboard uh Yachts woman? I don't know. What, how, how, what would you, how would you label yourself? I think liveaboard is good. Just yeah. liveaboard? Yeah. I mean, a sailor. All right. right. Yeah. Liveaboard. My sailboat. Yeah. Excellent. What kind of boat do you have? I have a Catalina 30. She's 1983. Catalina 30. 1983. It's a beautiful little boat, folks. We're, we're, we're actually in the boat right now. So if you happen <laughs> to hear some ambient noise, it could be other boats going by or birds or what have you. Lines so. clanking. <laughs> yep. So you might hear that. It's all good. It's, it's, uh, that's free ambiance for you. Um, so yeah, so we're here. Uh, it's got a lot of good woodwork. Nice V-berth. Pretty spacious V-berth. A little table that converts to a bed. And it has a wonderful little back uh, starboard quarter uh, kind of quarter single berth. berth? Quarter yeah. berth. Yeah. yeah. So you folks might notice uh, Greta will have more yachts, uh, yachtsman vocabulary than I do. Because <laughs> my specialty <laughs> is tall ships. And, um, you know, while a lot of the boat vocabulary is very, very similar, uh, there are specialized terms for, for little yacht boats that I may not know. We'll find out. Yeah, what's the name of the little shaggy things I always like the oh. name of, but I can't remember? <laughs> baggy wrinkle. Yeah, the baggy wrinkles. Yeah, they're, they're uh, anti-chafing <laughs> gear that you make out of old frayed line uh, that we use on, um, on the tall ships. In fact, there's a great comic book called Baggy Wrinkle by Lucy Bellwood. A little shout out to her. She does a wonderful series on, it has a lot of nautical nomenclature and it's these little comic book series that she did. Uh, definitely worth checking out if folks want to do that. So there you go. Free endorsement. I, I like to endorse things, <laughs> even though I get no money for it. It's yeah, great. You almost think I set you up. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Um, she did not actually. I can't lie, folks. She did not. So. <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah. So we're on her Catalina 36. And tell tell folks about well, why the heck I'm gonna say heck why did you buy a boat What were you thinking Um I mean <laughs> big picture is growing up in the Midwest I always wanted to get away So I used to you know lay on a hay bale on the farm and dream of sailing around the world because it's kind of the cheapest most practical way you can without flying around the world is just you know that's not affordable So. Um, I think it started as a very young girl wanting to get off the farm. 
And then when I, and I, so I grew up in the Mississippi. So in my head, it was always going to be in New Orleans, right? You just, I was going to get myself just south. Huckleberry Finn. Yeah. You're I was just, just going to go around. down the Mississippi and get, <laughs> go south and then find the closest ocean. Um, but I kind of made my way west. I lived in Colorado for a long time. And then when I moved to California, it was, I don't know, A, affordable, right? So it was at that time. I mean, it's, it's definitely compatible now it's changed a lot in the years i've been down here but at the time it was very affordable and it had that to, to be a liveaboard on to a be ship, a liveaboard on the boat, on the boat. um and so but it was also i can't see myself living in an apartment complex it's just I, my soul can't take that um so it was a way to kind of live a more out of the ordinary lifestyle and also be able to afford to do so so that was that was kind of how it started was as a dream and as a you know different way to live, but then you know could also afford to live in Southern California. All right, so you were you were in the Midwest and you you worked on a farm. You worked with horses, right? Yeah, I actually had my bachelor's degree in equine science. No way. So yeah, and then agriculture business. Okay. So I went to South Dakota State University. All right. And then you you obviously, I know you use your major and you actually, your work does involve directly your major. Yeah. So I worked in the horse world for many, many years. It's actually one of the reasons I ended out in California. Um, but now I work for the county agriculture department. Okay. Yeah. And for all the, the Trekkies or Trekkers out there, um, <laughs> I got I to gotta tell you, if Greta has an amazing story to tell because she used to take care of William Shatner's horses. Oh, that's Is that right? right. Yeah, I forgot Captain about Kirk, that. Captain yeah. Kirk himself. Yeah, he used to go with the veterinarian and work on all his horses are named after famous actresses. So there was a horse named Greta for Greta Garbo. <laughs> uh, she was my favorite. And they had, she had Maryland, you know, um, all, all the old, old classic, you know, Catherine Hepburn. So he had Catherine. So all, all his horses were all named after all the mares were all named after very icon Hollywood women. Wow. And have you ever met William Shatner? One time. Yeah. His horse um, was tying up. And he, so the vet and I went out there. It was kind of an emergency call. And he was standing or he was sitting on his horse. He had a bunch of quarter horses. He was sitting on his horse and um, he was very quiet, didn't say much, but said hello. Oh. And then, um, but we were mostly working with his trainer. Yeah. Wow. And the horse was fine. Everything was okay. Wow. So I just want to point out every single Trekkie on the planet right now is that's listening to this is drooling, completely, completely envious. And you just said, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Did I tell you, it's by my boyfriend Lee, did the opening credits, the opening sequence for Picard? Yes. I yeah. heard. I heard yeah. about that. I think <laughs> he you're the grapevine. Yeah. Wow. Season one and two. <laughs> Man. So you'll right. have to ask him about that when you see him. Wow. All right. That's, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a good show. Um, okay. So this, this you're the first person I've interviewed that's actually a liveaboard person. So oh, can cool. you tell, I mean, you were saying financially made sense at the time. Yes. Still, still kind of makes sense. Yes. It's and, just still affordable. And you've um, got your freedom, which is pretty cool. Like you can literally take this boat off the dock anytime you want. Right. And, and go out. Yeah. Day or night. We're so lucky to have the Channel Islands so close mm -hmm. that, you know, it makes you have a good destination to go to over the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so financially, it is, 
you know, you got to buy the boat outright. So I actually lived in my car for about a year and a half <laughs> before to save up the money to buy the boat. So I think that that, you know, um, was probably the biggest hurdle is, you know, coming up with a chunk of change. Yeah. Um, and so that part was maybe not the most financially, but then my slip my slip rate and but that's actually gone up about five hundred dollars since i moved down here your I've slip been, rate has mm-hmm, i've been on the boat for about seven and a half years and um it was 20 2014 i think that i i got the boat and it's gone up five hundred dollars since wow so what what percentage increases oh what was the original it was originally like six hundred with my liveaboard, so six fifty. All... I think I was paying six fifty in the beginning with my okay. two hundred dollar liveaboard. Oh, um, so that's over an eighty percent increase, yeah, almost or, yeah. around there. Yeah, and then when my son was younger, his liveaboard was free when he was under a certain age, and then once mm-hmm. he turned eighteen, that went up as well. But yeah. So, yeah, wow. So so you lived aboard with, with your teenage with, son. With my teenage son. He started his <laughs> freshman year when we bought the boat. So he lived out his high school years on the boat. Wow. Yeah. Oh. He said he got a lot of street cred for being the kid on the boat. <laughs> That's awesome. So how, how, I mean, logistically, how did that work? Like, like would he have friends over? Was this like an off-limits thing? Like, what, no. what kind of... No. Um, what, what was it like having your teenage son? All of the above. Um we were very respectful of each other's space, mm-hmm. you know, so very conscientious of, um, you know, his quarter birth was his and, you know, made it as private as possible. Um, but I was v- very conscientious to give him alone time on the boat um, or if he could very, you know, can I have friends over on Saturday and I would go out with my friends or I'd go hiking or something. So we were both very respectful of each other's time to be home alone um just because it is a small area we joke a lot that we would both come home and be on our phones and that was our bonding time (laughs) (laughs) so to this day we'll be like hey mom you want to bond and then that's code for you want to lay on the couch on our phones and not talk (laughs) um so i mean i think because i work so much and he was in high school he would get home from work or he would get home from school before I would. Um, so he, he had that alone time. And then um, dinners and stuff, we just kind of took turns on that kind of thing. So as far as, like, privacy goes, we were just both very respectful of one another's time and privacy. And I, I think ultimately it made us closer because, we, you know, we have such a, a nice relationship. So, um yeah, having friends over, I don't think it's, like, a place where kids wanted to hang out much anyways. Mm. So he kind of tended to go to his friends' houses a little more, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Like, like I remember I remember hanging out with, uh, well, well, Kate, you had us over a couple times, like, when the tall ships were in town. Yeah. I remember spending the night a couple times on the boat and... Uh, and like I played video games with with Kate, right? and, and, but right. you're shoulder to shoulder. I mean, there's no way around. You know, like you're shoulder yeah. shoulder shoulder on the bed. Yeah, the um, it's, it's intimate. <laughs> your crew used to come take turns. Whoever had the day off, they'd come and hang out on the boat because Caden had his PlayStation, and whoever had the day off on the boats would come and play. That would be their day off. I forgot about that. Ian was it? Ian. 
Yeah, well, there was Ethan. Ethan, that's yeah. right. Sorry, Ethan. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to, yeah, sorry, sorry about Ethan. No, Ethan, Ethan Nielsen. We'll, we'll definitely interview him at some point. Oh, he's because, wonderful. Oh, he's, he's wonderful. And you, did you know he's actually doing, like, proper, like, unlimited ships now, like container ships, that kind of thing. Is he? Mm-hmm. So he's not still in Jersey. He, no, no, he's not. Last <gasps> I checked, wow. oh, I forget where he was sailing, but I'll interview him and find, get the scoop so everybody yeah. can know. But, oh. uh, yeah, great, great times. Gosh, that's, uh, he's, he's family now. Jeez, we spent yeah, so many years together. Terrific young man. But yeah, that was when I first met him, was okay. he would come over and play <laughs> Nintendo on the boats while you guys were on his day off. <laughs> Well, it's good. I mean, when you're out in the sun all day and working or rain or whatever weather, yeah. um, it's good to kind of have a nice place to, to tuck in and just yeah. sort of, you know, like you said, alone time. Yeah, yep. you don't get you don't get much on boats. So no, you don't. So I could see having well, and maybe this is a good lesson for for couples living on a boat. It's like it, like oh, I'm yeah. I'm an extrovert. I'm very much like yeah, I love having people around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, and almost almost to where it's a fault. Um, but even then. Every so often I would need, you know, maybe on honestly, maybe once or twice a week, I would need a couple hours, but yeah. still I, even I need that time. So, and when you're, when you're 24 seven with somebody, yeah, it can get crazy if you don't have that, that way of having space, be it a curtain, you know, that was kind of the thing on the tall ships was like, you had a curtain. I know yeah. Kate Caden had a curtain for his corner. Yeah. You, you had a, do you have a, you have a door or? Is, I don't. So it's no. a curtain for the V birth. I don't even have a curtain for the, no, no. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, no. there you go. So. No. Um, yeah, I mean, I would get home from work and intentionally, like, not come down right away, right? Mm-hmm. I would go take my shower, socialize with the neighbors, just to give Caden that little extra time. Yeah. And I know he would do the same for me. That's that we nice. we would just make sure that each one of us had that alone time. Because we're both introverts. Okay. We're not shy, but <laughs> <laughs> I like to be home alone. Yeah, and you, oh, and you guys, I mean, you, so if I may, if, um talk about how you know when you had Caden how old were you I was 17 when I had him I was 16 when I got pregnant and I was 17 when I had him yeah yeah ah those were the days <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you had I mean do you mind talking about no, that, time, that time period a little not at bit all. what it was like being so young and having a, a boy that you took care of um, I don't, you know, I, I said to you earlier with your children, I don't remember a lot of it. It's a blur. <laughs> um, I was in high school. I had him September of my senior year. And so I didn't go to school. I started school back up second semester. So I had 46 credits the last semester of high school to graduate on time. Um, so I graduated with my class and then I didn't go to college right away. Um, just still trying to figure it all out. I was um, completely on my own from that point on. So I was living on my own, financially on my own, emotionally, <laughs> physically. I was, I was pretty much from from the time I had him on mm-hmm. was completely self supportive. Um, so I didn't go to college right away. I worked. You know, I had an apartment and. Um, and had daycare and like, you know, didn't even know how to balance a checkbook and all of a sudden had to take on this huge responsibility. So I worked for a veterinarian for a year and he's really one of the like, you got to go to school, you mm-hmm. know, and I was probably making like $8 an hour back then. Yeah. Um. So then I went to college to South Dakota State um, and then I 
just it took me six years to get my bachelor's degree because raising a kid on your own um, was about four hours from where I grew up. And then I was so fortunate to I found a family farm, mm-hmm. like a more of a ranch type. And um, I, I was able to have a horse and which like looking back at it now, like, <laughs> not the most financially, but that was my passion. Yeah. Um, and so I had my horse and I was able to keep my horse at this ranch is how I met them. And um, just I started mowing the lawn in exchange for horse board and then in the summers, there's just one summer they were short of help and I got to, so they asked me like, hey, can you, you know, drive a grain truck here and there? And their son was about a year or two older than Caden. And so it just worked out really well that I was able to have Caden on the ranch with me. And we were driving grain trucks and in combines. If I was on a horse, Caden was on a horse. And, wow. you know, we had a lot of the, um, you know, I made lunch for you know, the hired hands were about 12 guys at any given time. So I would make everybody lunch and then go deliver it. And <laughs> Caden had to collect the chicken eggs. And um, so we just, over the course of six years, we ended up living, having kind of, of a room and board situation on the farm. And then they were always really good about um, letting me study when I need, you know, if I had finals or something, they were always really good about giving me the time. So I'd you know, it's like a seventy-hour-a-week job. Like you just wow. ranching sun up to sundown. Yeah. But then, I could like leave for class for a couple hours, and then you know, and I could leave Caden with them a lot too, so I didn't have as much daycare because I would have their son with me all the time. And then I'd be like, "Hey, I have to go to class," and so it was really a great, a great atmosphere to be in through college. They really were very supportive, and they've all come out and visited me on the boat. Nice. Yeah, so I've taken them sailing. They're all from South Dakota, so they've all come out and visited, and I took them sailing, and it was great. So many people in the Midwest and in the Rockies. I mean, like, we would get whole school school groups. Oh, that, really? Oh, oh, yeah, they would come out on the tall ships and do education programs, a surprising number, you know, like Idaho, Colorado, um, and it, yeah, you would initially think, like, gosh, man, that's a long distance to travel. Why would you do that? But it, they don't have oceans, so it's right. it, it's a big allure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so that, they must have loved that coming out here. Yeah, there was a long time where I would like take a walk down on the beach and just like I don't even know like, what word you would use to describe it, but you can't wrap your head around how lucky I felt to be here, and you know now I I see the very very benefits of growing up on the farm and having that room to run. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, the gardens and I appreciate that all now more than I'm older, but just like to be on the beach and have the ocean and the islands right there is, I, I'm, I'm starting to have been here long enough where I take it for granted and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's just another sunset, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Our West Coast sunsets. It, yeah. It's hard to beat. <laughs> but yeah, the, I mean, even palm trees for mm-hmm. forever just were unfathomable exciting to me oh man i remember on the i was we, we were on the viking ship the, mm-hmm. the sea stallion and we got to england southern england yeah and and the norwegians they started just jumping i mean like hugging this bush i'm like what are you doing it, and it, I mean, it was a it was it wasn't a bush it was a palm tree but it was like <laughs> this stubby like oh god why did you plant me in england what were you thinking kind of palm tree like this tiny little stubby thing yeah and they're like 
oh, it's amazing. We don't have palm trees They've in Norway, seen. you know. And, and and I just remember thinking, like, you know what? This is what an L.A. person would do if it snowed. Like, <laughs> like, like Yeah, because we had snow, like, once every 30 years in Fresno, it snows. Right. And yeah. we were out there in what Norwegians, I'm sure, were just like, that's not snow. Like, right. what are you doing yeah. trying to make snowballs out of this half an inch? Of, yeah. You know, but we're just, oh, it's amazing snow. Yeah. So... Probably the same thing. Yeah, palm trees, they're beautiful. They're cool. Yeah. Um, oh, and the islands. Gosh, to, to look out. Uh, you know, we're, we're in Ventura Harbor. So there you go. I'm sure people can find you now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> a beautiful Ventura Harbor. Uh, super awesome waterfront. And I, I love giving endorsements. I love selling stuff, folks. Hey, you want me to sell your thing? There you go. Come, <laughs> come uh, sign up for nautical knowledge and nonsense. Um, yeah, so it's a beautiful waterfront, gorgeous beach. Like View of the Topa Topa Mountains. Topa Topa. I mean, I mean, just even the name itself screams yeah. awesome. And yeah, no, seriously, it is beautiful. And especially when the sun starts setting, you get that golden hour and the hills just light up you know, pink. And yeah, that's called Alpine Glow. Alpine Glow. Yeah. Learn something it, new and there's day. not many Alpine places. Yeah. Alpine Glow. Yeah, there's Alpine glow. Okay. There's it's a it's kind of a I don't think it's that rare, but it's a phenomenon of the way the mountains. It's got to be just the way the sun sets on the mountains. So it doesn't happen everywhere. There's yeah. only certain places in the world where you get that. And you probably well, and you probably have to have a you know because you have a clear line of sight out to mm-hmm. the horizon here. Yeah. That you don't get in most places. So. Yeah, I think it's the best place on the map. I've traveled very extensively and had my <laughs> gypsy days and. I'm very glad I ended up here. Yeah, well, the cool thing about it, it to me, it's it's like, and and hopefully they have some regulations on on not getting rid of all the farmland stuff. But like, you still there have, is. Or, oh, there is. Okay. There's very yeah. We and have, you would know. That's we, job. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's uh, that we have. Um, it was actually voted, mm-hmm. um, and it's called the SOAR initiative. And it is you can't develop on most. I mean, it's not black and white, but most agriculture land here will stay agriculture land. Okay. And the sore part about it is your property values are going to go up and up. They and, have, yeah. yeah. And so it's going to get harder and harder to, to move I mean, here and stay here probably. Southern California, yeah, yeah, in general. But that's everywhere. I mean, you even go back and, you know, my my brother just bought a house in Minneapolis. And for them, it's, you know, it's exponential, right? It's always yeah. going to be more in Southern California, but it's. Yeah, but it's beautiful. Everywhere. It feels. I, I feel like that's what LA probably looked like in the fifties mm-hmm. or, or a little, or, probably around the fifties. I would guess. Yeah, maybe sixties. Yeah, and and then the co- really cool part is, you, I mean, you have the hills and the mountains, which I th- are, are some of them are if they're not national, they're definitely Federal Bureau for, Forestry. There are, or, yeah, they're national. Most of them are national. The San, pa- the Los Padres. Okay. Yeah. And then you've got the islands where I mean, it's re- they're really cool. Like like and, and they're. Modern. I mean, it's pretty remote. Like you go come to an area where you have millions of people, and then you cross over, right? And you're in the Channel Islands, you know, most famous, which is Catalina. But you go to even parts of Catalina where it's just it's really remote, right? Like you're the right. only person there. It's, yeah, it's incredible. And well, that's on Catalina. And Catalina is the only one that has. Um, I, I guess it's maybe more privatized mm-hmm. would be a good way. Like they commercialized, maybe? commercialized. Yeah, yeah. Because the the Channel, I. I think of the Channel Islands as the national park. Pretty much, yeah. And then the outer ones, you got so you got San Clemente, San Nicolas, they're military. Yeah. Um, you, you're not allowed to go on them without permission, though. Though we did anchor off them, which I don't. I'm, I'm assuming we got permission for that. 
Um, Santa Barbara, that's a cool one to land at, though. You better kind of know what you're doing and time mm-hmm. it right because it is pretty – it's it's rough. And it's mm-hmm. also – I think you need special – you need special permission for that one, for Anacapa, I'm pretty sure. Anacapa, man. So I got to go on a lot of these islands because mm-hmm. of the Tolly Moore that used to be out here. So she, was, she used to be the tallest – the biggest tall ship on the west coast oh yeah and um and we so we would do you know programs all like like i literally went to every single channel island uh aside from the military ones that so we did anchor off of san clemente and yeah. we went to oh where that giant wave is uh cortez banks oh right so i actually got to dive down by yeah. dive i mean like just go down 16 feet and touch the bottom of the ocean 50 miles i think from any land it was crazy like you couldn't see land and you're just like yeah. wow i'm this is insane i can't believe i'm touching right like and, and it's this place <laughs> where you see the 100 foot plus waves that just are insane for the big wave surfers mm-hmm. that's where they go out to do that yeah on the right swell luckily it was it was pretty much dead calm while we were out there yeah oh it can right. get they say if you can sail this channel you can sail anywhere in the world wow the 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 conditions in this channel change very quickly mm-hmm. and that there can be very extreme yeah so i don't know if it's like you know they say that about the mediterranean everybody likes to say that about their local yeah, fishing fair spot enough. but fair enough but there are differences like like you go to you go to san miguel island which, which is the northernmost and you can literally tell i mean you see look up a wind chart folks i guarantee you nine times out of ten you're gonna look and you're gonna see Wind coming off of Point Conception to the north, and it's going to come from the northeast, and it's going to cut right across the middle of San Miguel, and it's going to be fairly strong. It barrels because it's got to fit through there, and so it speeds up to barrel through that channel. Okay. Yeah. And so it's like significantly faster than, you know, to the south, and the wind actually grows with the, or with the wind, sorry. The grass on San Miguel grows with the direction mm-hmm. of the wind. And it gets foggy, too. It has a whole different weather system. So the, the the ranger there, I remember he was saying, yeah, like, like if it's foggy, you can't get lost on the island. Because the, the grass will tell you what direction you're going. It's, it's like it always points southwest. Yeah. So you can figure out where you are from there and not fall off a cliff, hopefully. That's funny. Um, yeah, it's crazy. And then you got, uh, what, Santa Rosa. Um, which, I forget what Santa Rosa has. It had something cool. It had, like, this cool... Over, there's a couple cool things on Santa Rosa. Overhang, there's a few other, I think mm-hmm. some cool plants grew there. Um, and then Santa Cruz, which I think is the biggest? It is. It is the biggest. Yes. Yeah, that was cool. To me, it looks like a rubber chicken. So if you see, look at a map <laughs> of all the Channel Islands, I think Santa Cruz looks like a rubber chicken. And then I think Santa Rosa looks like a like a pig's head. Yeah, and then Anacapa, which I got a real, I love Anacapa because it's almost like two islands in one. You have these really tall, mountainy, mountainous kind of things that mm-hmm. you don't even think you can access. Uh, certainly not easily. I, yeah, I, I not many people dangerous. have been to Anacapa. Yeah, yeah it's but, hard to. But the other part of the island where the science facility is and, and where they, they have all the seagulls, the seagull nests mm-hmm. is there. It's like going, when you get there, it's like climbing into some sort of like James Bond villain mm-hmm. uh, hideaway, hideout. Because you have like this this really tall, you know, I don't, I mean, it might be different now. I did this, you know, what, eight years ago now. But, but it had this really tall metal ladder that you had to climb up and everything's rusty. And you're like, this is cool. And then you have these, these rusty ramps going up and you're uh-huh. just like, wow, this is, it felt like entering a James Bond villain yeah. hideout. I loved it. Yeah. The islands are so special if you can get to them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. snorkeling off at world class. Anna Kappa just got number one in. Well, I, I think it was in like 2018. They got number one dive spot in the world. Really? Yeah, and wow. the headline they were like, 
out of this world beautiful nothing else you will need a wetsuit it is very cold <laughs> <laughs> like you need an eight mil yeah <laughs> we should we should work for the bureau of tourist industry and <laughs> out of Ventura Harbor County. Here we go. This, this episode is brought to you by yeah. <laughs> Channel Islands Island Packers. Come, go out, check out the islands. Uh, seriously, folks, it is incredible. So uh, back to, let's see, back to Caden. How yeah. the heck? So speaking for, of Island Packers. Speaking of, yeah, that's right. He worked. For, so this young man had a teenage mom, worked on a farm like like rough really hard times i know you guys went through horrific financial difficulty you went through yeah. so many difficulties um how he turned out so well and kaden mm. if he's listening to this right now i hope you're <laughs> surrounded by friends and blushing because uh, i hope they're heckling you as much as possible because yeah he did like he's an outstanding citizen works really hard uh really smart independent head on shoulders like most kids i mean and I, I probably can raise a hand. Well, I, don't, I, I probably can raise a hand. Like, I'm sure I wasn't as independent a thinker as I could have been. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you listen to your teachers. Like, oh, yes, that's how it goes. You listen to your peers. Like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. there's a tendency for that. And I felt none of that, but also none of the, I just want to be a rebel for rebel's sake. Like, it was, it was never like that. It was always just very, you could sit down to him with him, have an adult conversation and be like, wow. Like, that's actually a unique thought, mm-hmm. you know, when, when we were having discussions. And Even stuff. very young. Really? Even very young. Yeah. So some of it maybe is just base personality, but there was also stuff where, I mean, you, you told me just today, you were saying how someone asked, how do you get your 15-year-old kid to do chores the way? Like, can you tell that story? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so I was at a restaurant that I would frequent that was close to my work. And so I was getting to know, I was chit-chatting with the, it was a sushi restaurant. So I was chit-chatting with the sushi chef and um, we we're joking about doing laundry and whatnot. And I had said that, oh, I don't do laundry. I make my teenager do everything. And this other gentleman sitting at the bar was like oh how do you get your teenager to do his chores he's like I just fight constantly with my teenager how do you get him to do his chores and I said I don't get my teenager to do my chores I made my five-year-old do the chores (laughs) when I was still stronger than him and you know he just knew that he growing up he knew that he had to do the dishes and he knew that he had to take out the garbage you know and I was also saying earlier in the day, I'm, again, because I work so much, I don't maintain the boat to just be single on the boat now. Um, I, I realize how much he, like, he washed the boat down once a week or once every couple of weeks. And I don't do that as often. And I, I can really tell the difference of all his chores over the years that I would be like, what did you even do today? <laughs> <laughs> He was keeping the boat nice. (laughs) The windows haven't been washed since he left, and you can tell. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was a great kid. He was always a very old soul. Um, So, like, even as a five-year-old, he was just always very, you know, Mother, why do you think we, you know, we age the way we do? He was always very inquisitive and old-souled like that. So... Yeah, and I always joke that the only way he had to rebel against me was by being good, because he has this like bohemian gypsy mom that drug him around the country, and <laughs> you know, and you know, not that I was a rebel, but that we just lived a very 
different lifestyle. Yeah. And the only way he could rebel against that was just by being good, <laughs> joining the military. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, well, but not blindly joining the military either. I mean, it was, it wasn't like he, my impression was he was, he, he was disciplined, period. I mean, he had mm-hmm. chores. He already, mm-hmm. he had, uh, he always did schoolwork to my knowledge. And yeah. So it's like he already had the discipline. Some kids need discipline. You know, there's right. like, they got none of that in their life. And things like the military are great. Um, yeah, I'm working on a civilian equivalent. That'll, <laughs> it's, it's in, I've been working on it on the side. So we'll see. I just can't yeah. come up with a name for it. That's the problem. But oh, maybe somebody smarter than me can we'll, figure out the name and then we'll, we'll work out. on that. Yeah, I'll run it by a few other people. And, but, um, but yeah, no, he had none of that. He didn't need that. He, he already had the discipline and, and, uh, good balance really yeah, yeah. just balanced I, and i guess I, i've met a lot of people that work on farms and 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 on, on boats it's kind of hit or miss i've definitely met mm. some people some kids raised on boats where they're either I, I don't know it's very hit or miss sometimes they're just like the most well-adjusted amazing people you've ever met in your life they're always going to be interesting 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent. like no matter yes. what you're going to meet some interesting Boat people, people but, yeah but uh not all of them are well adjusted to to the non-vagabond yeah. cra- crazy life. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe that's because you came from a farm. You're used yeah, to maybe because he was with older. Yeah. That yeah. would help. Well, you know, I once had somebody say to me, um, just a cavalier off the cuff, oh, it's too bad your son comes from a broken home. And I was like, I'm not a broken home. Like, I'm more <laughs> stable mother than, you know... I- a lot of families out there and i was like if you have dinner on the table every night we read stories we do yeah. homework just because we lived a different you know we might have been in the back of the car for a while and we were you know that was fun in colorado we just go out <laughs> into the mountains and um you know so i think i think because he had this he did have stability it might have not have been in a house yeah but he did have that stability when he was young so well, it's amazing. That's, it is amazing. It's amazing that you were able to make that happen despite the hardships, despite the, the realities of the situation. Yeah. So I, yeah, I hope people can find hope in that. And those that are like, oh, I just can't do this. It's like, yeah, you can. Yeah. You know? A lot of sacrifice. And, and I can't say that obviously, but, but you can. Yeah. I mean, definitely he was the priority, you know, again, and we were, financially strapped when he was younger kind of the in-between call I graduated college in 2008 right into the recession and so kind of in between college until I started my job now um, those were our toughest years and you know I would not have dinner so make sure that he had dinner right like we ate a lot of beans and rice and apples and peanut butter to make it Um, so I do feel like we we sacrificed a lot in those years but yeah. it builds character <laughs> <laughs> and now you got a boat and now i got a boat. boat we should probably take the conversation back to boats because uh, i forgot it's called nautical knowledge and nonsense uh sorry about that folks i hope you got something good out of this so far this is the kind of people you meet when yeah. you're into boats no it's true and everybody has a good story i mean pretty much so yeah like so you're a liveaboard i mean tell tell me about some of the well don't i don't want you to gossip about neighbors but would no, you say they're yeah. all interesting you guys have a good community here um you know what i say is there's the good the bad and the ugly all right. right but the majority of the people down here 
are probably one of the reasons I've lived down here for so long. Mm-hmm. Like my friends are all down here. I down here is on the docks. I, on the docks, yeah, the harbor, the, docks. the harbor. Yeah. Um. I, everybody is, you know, like taught me to sail. Right. Like everybody's so open and welcoming. Like, oh, hey, we're going out for the afternoon. Come with. And they, you know, everybody wants to. It's very. Um, people share their knowledge mm-hmm. a lot. Um, it's, it's not like a competitive nature down here. It's a very friendly nature down here. So the neighbors, yeah, you get your old curmudgeon. <laughs> it chases you around with his cane. Um, you know, there's there's some goofy characters, you know, during the election. You can, you know, people's, mm-hmm. for better or worse, you know, some people's bad sides came out but everybody down here is so friendly so helpful i mean you just that is the number one thing about the community the boating community is 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 the friendships i've gotten out of them that's really neat yeah yeah i know a lot of people you know when they think when you hear the word yacht you instantly picture somebody all in starched white, like you know, short shorts, <laughs> and just like, oh, what are the poor people doing today? You know, and, and we're taking over your world. Yeah, and like, that's not, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, the liverboards are taking over the world. Well, I, I don't know. I, I've, I've met a lot of yacht yacht folks that I mean, actually, that's the surprise me about most. I always at the end of every episode I try to do a shout out for yacht clubs and just like, go, go check them out. Cause most of them are surprisingly, you know what? That like, was like, in, uh, they'll just invite you in. Yeah. I was astounded. And, and not all of them. Some of them are still old fashioned pretentious and, and that's fine. I mean, that's a, just a different culture. I get that. Yeah. But yeah, I was really surprised. Yeah. That was actually before I even had the boat, I started taking classes through the Ventura power and sail squadron, which is kind of, um, hosted maybe by the yacht club. It's not the yacht club that puts it on, but you mm. go to the yacht club. It's all yacht club people teaching the classes, so they're very much combined. And they welcomed me with open arms and taught me. So I learned a lot about, you know, navigation and weather and safety before I even had a boat because oh, cool. I was so headstrong. Of if I'm going to do this, I'm going to learn. And I didn't want it just to be my house. I wanted it, you know, to be a hobby as well. And, um, you know, when I bought the boat, I wanted to sail around the world. Mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, know I would have a career that would keep <laughs> me from doing that. But, um, yeah, it was the, the Yacht Club. And actually, when I met you, I think it was the year I met you, we went to, you invited me to a barbecue at the Yacht Club. Do you remember this? Well, I, I remember meeting you because we had the Power Squadron come on board. They were, you guys were like yeah. supporting us. It was, and yeah. So you guys came on board. And I just remember being like, oh, Power Squadron, how nice. And I was like, wow, old man, old woman, old woman, old man, beautiful young woman. Hi, what's your name? <laughs> <laughs> that was you. <laughs> I was like seven, eight. I don't, did I have the boat yet? No, because nope. that's my story. So it was almost eight <laughs> years ago. Wow. Because I didn't have my boat. So I went with you to a barbecue. Okay. You invited me to a barbecue at the Yacht Club, yeah. and it was like shipmates only, but I snuck in, and that is where I met the family that I bought the boat from. No so way. So I own the boat because I became friends with you. This boat. Wow. 
And That's I, it awesome. was that night and I, I just connected with a guy and they were trying to sell this boat. Um, there was a family of four living on it, a husband, wife, and two teenage kids. Uh-huh. Um, but their son was already like six foot three and sleeping in <laughs> Caden's quarter berth, right? So it was yeah. fine when they were younger. This was a great boat for them. But the family was growing and they had found their dream boat, but they couldn't buy that boat unless they sold this boat. Wow. And so that's how, and that was all. I think I went and looked at it the next day or a couple days later. And, you know, she's such a beautiful, brand new engine. I mean, she was such a great boat that that's how I got the Animus. Well, I had no idea I was directly involved with that. That's, yes, uh, you were. <laughs> I'm, I'm really happy I flirted with you now. That's, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's awesome, Greta. That's a great story. Yeah. Cool. And now, so now you're planning, so you're planning on selling the boat, I heard, or that's kind of one of the options. I mean, that's an option. Um, Cause, just because things have changed, but you're, you're not leaving boats, obviously. No, God, no. Yeah. God, no. No, bigger, so, better things. Okay. Cool. Um. So you- with Caden gone, I, I mean, so again, this was a financial way for me, but now I have a career, mm-hmm. right? And so I can afford a bigger, better boat. And with Caden gone... um. I don't have to buy $600 in groceries <laughs> and health insurance. And um, so my original plan was to to get a bigger boat, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, who wouldn't love a catamaran? But, um, you know, like a Catalina 42 or something. Something yeah. that's really nice and comfortable to live aboard. Um, something newer and just a little more. You know, I can have more than two pairs of shoes because <laughs> I have a two-shoe rule now on the boat. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so now since I met my boyfriend and he, he's a sailor as well and has his boat, you know, do we need two boats? You know, we don't. So we don't. We're not utilizing this the way that it, that it could be. Yeah. Now, do you still have aspirations for sailing abroad? Absolutely. Every day I ask Lee if we can leave yet. <laughs> <laughs> I come home from work and oh, yeah. That's funny. No, I I would love to. I um I don't know. I think again I wasn't planning on having such a wonderful career. I really got lucky with my job and you know that I, I do really love my job. Um so I wasn't planning on staying here and mm-hmm. and continue working. It was really once Caden was set and off on his own and stable, I was going to take off. I mean that was just when you have a gypsy soul, but I mean, I, I just, I really do love my work and financially again, yeah. not to talk about money all night, but, um, it'd be nice to save up a nest egg and yeah. be able to leave. But yeah, I mean, that's the, you know, Lee, you have a boyfriend, he had to be a sailor, right? So we <laughs> <laughs> had to make the cut of... <laughs> Well, and you were saying, too, you guys are a true COVID couple because uh, the only reason you got together was, well, tell the tale. I mean, Oh, well, so when I met him, he had his boat up here in Ventura, uh-huh. but he lived down in Venice. And so when we start, I didn't know anything about him when I met him. And I thought that he was live aboard because he would just be up on his boat. And um, his boat was a couple boats down from my old man friend, Bill. Bill's like my best friend in the whole world. Yeah, so Bill is a Vietnam vet, and he has a heart of gold, and so I would spend more time 
with Bill than anybody else in the world just because he was such a wonderful human being to be around. And so Lee's boat is over by Bill's boat. So Lee was just always on his boat whenever I saw him. So I thought he was a live aboard. And then um, when he asked for my number and everything, that's kind of when I learned he lived down in Venice. But it was just the beginning of COVID. And so there was no Los Angeles traffic. And so it would take me like 45 minutes, an hour to get down to his house. And, you know, so we dated for about a year during COVID, you know, like early 2020 to early 2021. And then like as restrictions started like over this last summer and stuff as restriction, it took me like an hour and a half to get down to his house. <laughs> so that yeah. definitely, I yeah, I like Starts to joke that up. I would have never have dated him if I had to drive down to LA all the time without... <laughs> Yeah, well, the traffic's definitely yeah. getting horrendous again. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Did, um, so, well, I, and I think, I mean, the way you went about it, getting getting some knowledge, um, getting some knowledge prior to getting a boat, like, that's that's huge. Because I've met so many people that they don't know what they're getting their into at all. Safety. And, yeah. I mean, whatever, you can break a stanchion, you can, you know ruin your engine you know mm -hmm. by not knowing what to do but that stuff's all fixable but i think my biggest take home from from going to those classes is a little bit of their horror stories like yeah. they put the fear of death in me <laughs> <laughs> but they because i think when you just get your boat you don't necessarily know that it could be as dangerous as it is and um you know, a lot of the, again, old guy, old woman, old guy, old woman, right? <laughs> they, they're very experienced. And mm -hmm. I think kind of their hobby a lot is they go out to the islands to help people who've never been out there. But they just, they have these stories of, you know, like some woman like was trying to pull up the anchor and got her finger caught and ripped her finger off and had to get helicoptered out and wow. you know you they all knew somebody who had died from falling overboard or so it really and i can even tell when i go sailing that i have safety in mind at all time and it is a hundred percent from taking those classes before learning how to really sail of even like how to hold line, right? You can't wrap yeah. it around your. I mean, that's a lot of that's ranching and horses too. But yeah, um, that that they really, really taught safety mm -hmm. because sailing can be dangerous. So that's great, and the power squadron still exists. Oh, I, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm not a member anymore. Okay, but um, well, that's awesome. Yeah, I know. Uh, oh, geez, I mean, they're. Yeah, there are so many. I and mean, first of all, if you get a boat, like there's so many personality types where they're like, "Oh, I know everything. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna go out there and figure it all out." And that's that's fine. I mean, you have to push limits a little bit. You do have to yeah. explore a little bit, but at the same time, you are also sharing the water with working boats. I mean, even right. here in Ventura Harbor, you have tour boats, you have the fishing vessels. You better stay out of their way. Yeah. Um, and and just you have much larger vessels than you that can't maneuver. They're limited by their draft. It's, um, and it's one of those things where, oh, especially the sailboat owners where they're like, well, I've got right away because I'm a sailboat. Like right. that's almost never true. Yeah. You know, don't get hit. It's the right yeah. away. <laughs> I, I had a... Don't make your boat hit somebody else's boat. That's what right away is. Pretty much. Yeah. I had a passenger one time where, where this, this guy was like, so do you ever, do you ever worry about the people that don't know the rules of the road? 
and uh, uh, the, the cool reg, uh, they're, they're they call them rules of the road. They're 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 government kind of sponsored rule. I will probably edit that part out. That's boring. All right. Anyway, <laughs> you, have, you have the rules of the road that most people know about, and so I almost answered. I was like, I almost said yes. Like I'm I'm worried about people who don't know the rules of the road, and I thought about it a little longer, and I was like, actually no, I'm not worried about the people that don't know the rules of the road. It's the people that think they know the rules of the road. Right. And we'll get into an accident to prove a point because right. they think they're right. And it's like anybody that doesn't know any rules at all, they're going to avoid you. They're going to use their brain and like and logically avoid you, you know if what? possible. They might be right. They might be. Sure. They might have the right of way. My whole boss used to say, yeah, you have the right of way, the right to be dead. <laughs> he said it about bikers, not sailing. But... All right. But it still applies. It totally yeah. applies. Yeah. yeah. And just having the humility to know that you need to know more about your vessel and what can go wrong. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those problems, I mean, like you were saying, a lot of injuries and deaths and just stupid situations can be avoided with the tiniest bit of training and planning. I mean, you do not need to be a professional mariner to be able to stop a leak in your boat, to be able to, oh, the engines fail. What do I do now? You know, like, Mm -hmm. like, oh, like you will, you'll have a radio. You have like, there are lots and lots of options. Everything on a boat, you need redundancy. There should be at least one redundant system. Yeah. Even on a smaller vessel. Um, that it will certainly a vessel that you live aboard. You probably want to have at least one redundant system. I put my keys on the lever to open up the pump for the, cool water to cool the engine yeah the raw water yeah the raw water um valve i put my keys i store my engine keys on that valve so i do not forget to open it (laughs) right because this is just like when i got the boat and i thought i was gonna sink every night (laughs) and like a little noise and be like what was that we're gonna sink (laughs) but that was one of my like i cannot forget to open this or I and without my engine, my boat's worth nothing, right? Yeah. But I got that brand new, shiny new engine. So I put my keys on that lever. So I, in order to get the keys off, I have to open that. Smart to start the. So it's yeah, it's that kind of planning processing. Yeah. So I love taking people out who have never been sailing before mm-hmm. because they're like little kids <laughs> at Candyland. It's like bringing your kids to Disneyland, Johan. Mm-hmm. Um, and because they, a lot of people don't, you could live in Ventura your whole life and have never been out on a, out on the water, you know, Island Packers, a lot of people have gone out on the commercial boats, but, um, a lot of people have never sailed. So I really like to take people out who have never gone before and everybody, you know, they come aboard and they sit in the cockpit. And I always say, rule number one is stay on the boat. (laughs) Rule number two is stay on the fucking boat. (laughs) (laughs) besides that we're gonna have fun (laughs) but because you know like i really and i give everybody a job like your job is to you know you have to watch this line right (laughs) and and it gets them a little more focused but i i definitely always make sure everybody realizes that yes we're going out to have fun but it's also serious and you can't just like you know party and kick up your heels and you know this is you giving people a job like if somebody goes overboard, as long as it's not you, your your job is to watch that person, kind of. Yeah, some of the behavior I've seen on boats, holy moly, yeah. uh, it's it's crazy, and and definitely the government's starting to kind of regulate that. Like I feel like you have to have a license. You now. do now, and mm-hmm. I'm 
I don't know how it works with with being drunk and driving a boat, but I know there's you can get there's more regular yeah. there's more enforcement of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, folks, dude, I mean, just just be sensible. Don't right. don't freaking just what what you do. You know, well, you want to go out in a car not knowing what you're doing. You right. want to go out in a car blitz drunk. Like, why would you do that? That's yeah. stupid. Yeah. And now so now you're on a vessel where there's like ginormous thing. Now now you got other vessels that can't yeah. maneuver and. And, and you've, you got, oh man, especially fast speed boats. Like, why would you do that? We had, we had one, we were on, um, we were in Southern New Jersey on, uh, oh, what's that river called? It's like green, green river. I think, uh, oh no, no, it was Greenwich, Greenwich, uh, in, in the East Delaware Bay, beautiful little, oh man, the river there, I forget the name of it, but, uh, this beautiful meandering river that i mean you might as well go back to colonial times or before it's it's like just you can kind of forget yourself on this river mm-hmm. as you're going up to this tiny little colonial town that that it hasn't changed all that much since since you know a couple hundred years ago and really cool and um but there was this german couple that had anchored their vessel out in, in the river which norm dad it was lit up like it, you know, normally it's like that's a fine thing you're, you're gonna be just fine well some drunken yahoo went 80 miles an hour around the corner and bashed into their boat and you know typical european fashion you're like oh you know they this this boat these idiots they almost sunk their boat number one like the, the drunk people almost sunk their boat mm-hmm. could have easily killed themselves you know or someone else and they probably did tens of thousands worth of dollar, dollars of damage to this this private vessel, oh. uh, private private sailboat. And the Germans are just like, oh, what can you do? You know, and I wanted to tell them in German, like, you can sue their ass or you can get them arrested or at least yeah. make sure they don't have a chance to get, a, get out on the water again. Like yeah. These jerks, you know. Yeah. So don't do that. Don't be, if just have a freaking sober driver. It's not that yeah. hard. Yeah. Anyway, I think. Yeah, I mean, because it is, I mean, we have dock parties down here that are... Mm-hmm fantastic right again because you've been you know drink a lot down here there's yeah parties are awesome i love it but you know i also know two people who have fallen in the water drunk and didn't make it out the other side again but um you know like i don't i don't want to say that you can't have fun yeah but yeah there's definitely an aspect of I don't drink when when I have other people and I have to be responsible. I don't drink. That's good. But if we're just going out and bobbing around for the day and it's, you know, yeah. you got to gauge the situation. Yeah. Yeah. What's the, what's the, I don't know, maybe the scariest moment you've had or the, mo- like on, on the ship or, or uh, just like a wild time or something that you saw there. <sighs> like, wow. I wish everybody could see this or couldn't see this as the case may be. Oh, yeah. And we can edit out this hesitation. Don't worry, I will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, a scary time is I went out with somebody I didn't know well on mm-hmm. a boat I didn't know. Um, and, and I was a little newer. And um, I, we, we shouldn't have been out. Small craft advisory. We shouldn't have been out. Um, and I essentially sat down in the cockpit and... Which is like, if I'm going to die, don't tell me I'm going to die. I don't want to <laughs> know if we're in danger or not. In hindsight, we were fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I probably, now that I know more, wouldn't have even have put myself in that situation. But that was when I was just getting into boating and wanted to go out every opportunity I could. 
you know. But it made me it made me know that you don't go out on dates like that. You know, it's like six foot swell, and we were just like, and I just sat down. Yeah. <laughs> and well, I was like, okay. And the tricky part, come you know, coming in and out of Ventura, uh, I mean, well. God, I got a couple of good stories about Oxnard too. Which is the port just to the south. Um, also called Channel Islands Harbor. But Ventura, yeah, like like we would come in on the tall ships and there were times we were surfing in. Like, yeah. like, like the waves were freaking, they were breaking behind us and mm-hmm. we were surfing in. And I remember the last time I was here on a tall ship, I was on Lady Washington and we basically got silted in. Yeah, I remember um, that. Yeah, there was... I was hoping you were going to get silted. <laughs> well, there were there were a lot of people hoping had... we were we were gonna be stuck. I, mean, I definitely had a plan B. Like, holy crap, if we can't because we basically what happened was we came in and just this big system came through and sil- like oh almost over, king tides overnight. The king yeah. tides came and just silted up the the harbor to where. We, you know, a couple of fishing boats tried to go out. They had a draft on par with us. I think we were like around 11 and a half feet. They were 12 mm-hmm. foot. And I mean, I remember, the, I remember this fishing boat coming back after having tried and they went up on the rocks. You know, they're made of steel, so it's okay. A wood boat, a little more dangerous. Um, but man, they, they came back and the captain's just like chain smoking <laughs> cigarettes and just, you know, really stressed out. And I'm like, Hey, how's it going? Like, Not good, man. We were up on the rocks and da 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 and this whole stuff. I'm like, Oh geez. You know, these, and these poor guys, I mean, they're used to going in and out. So I feel like that would make for a good song, right? <laughs> oh, it's, it's the night a, I left Ventura yeah, Harbor, song there, I but... came back chain smoking my cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the night I didn't leave was, yeah. So, um, but yeah. I so, can't get out of this place. Place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there, there's always a song. Yeah, the night I didn't leave was a, yeah. The night I didn't leave Ventura Harbor. Maybe want to heave. But uh, uh, but yeah. So so we're sitting there, and so when we came back, in, so basically we were trapped. We we're trapped, working on Plan B, making sure uh, just in case we were trapped, we'd have like programs set up, something we could do to try to make make some income while we were here. You know, trying to mm-hmm. set up like like venues, and that's kind of my thing. So all captains have their talents and their specialties and mine right. is just like create programs. So right. I was working with the heads to be like, okay, what are we going to do just in case right. we're stuck? But we were waiting for that, that spring tide to come mm-hmm. to give us that little bit of extra water. And, you know, we're, I was working with the coast guard, just checking every day, just kind of checking conditions, just, you know, trying to find, you know, cause you can kind of plan ahead and you'd be right. like, okay, the tide's going to be like 45 minutes later. It's, it's going to be, right. this is what it'll look like tomorrow. You can kind of, yeah. you can kind of plan that. And uh, so basically did that with the Coast Guard, especially as the day was getting closer where we, we kind of knew the higher tide was coming. Yeah. And we had that one window to escape. Um, and everybody escaped on that day. Like yeah, we, I remember that. Yeah, I think we, I think I led the way, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. Maybe Chieftain did because she had a shallower draft. Um, oh, man. God, God, oh. Who was the captain then? It was Shiny. It was Shiny. Yeah, and I got a story. When, when we get Shiny, I'll probably have like a dozen interviews with uh, Shiny. I haven't talked me. to him forever. Yeah. But man, he, he went out there and, uh, he, cause he took the small boat and then they came back and they were like being, being towed. I was like, what happened? And you tell you, they're all like, ah, and he's like, ah, oh, we, can we, we, we went out and we, we almost, I think they flipped actually. Like, I was like, you, what, what happened? And so I went out the next day at the same time factoring in that it was a, a different time of the tide. So right. I, I went out the same tide they would have had. Yeah. And I just remember looking at the the swells and stuff and thinking, 
oh my god, like I would never try that, but shiny would. Yeah. <laughs> just went, oh, let's see what happens. Yeah. And so so yeah, it just got unlucky. Whatever it happens. Yeah. Um, not a big deal. Nobody got hurt, and uh, you know I know shiny. He's he's a safe person, but yeah. At the same time, I could see like yeah, let's just see what you know what'll happen. So, yeah. Which is fine. Everybody's different, but but yeah, so. He, um, but he was captain chief then, and so he, I think he, he must have led the. I can't remember. I can't remember anymore. But and then you guys just went led. to Oxnard after that, I think, because uh, Oxnard doesn't have that same problem. Yeah, we might have. Yeah, we might have programmed there. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But um, I do remember the fishing boat behind us was the one that had been up on the rocks. Mm. You know, and so this guy's like radioing and like, late, late washing. What's your draft? Da, 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 all this stuff, and I'm like, we're eleven and a half feet. You know. We got, I got, because we had a depth sound or something. Yeah, we got, you know, this much water underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's almost no current. I think, you know, you okay. I said, you're, yeah. I think you're going to be just fine. He's like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I could hear the relief in his voice. Yeah, I mean, because those boats so. are oh, yeah, they're... multi-million dollar boats. Oh, yeah, they're... it's no joke. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't want to scrape up your propeller and bend a, bend a blade right. or, I mean, you're And not be able to get back in. Exactly. Right? Yeah, so. Because now... you really have Oxnard and then that's it. Yeah. You so know, there's had, nothing else around. Yeah. So everybody was trying to escape just to, to get out there and work, get out there to, to mm-hmm. escape, you know, the, mm-hmm. the deep draft, deeper draft boats. And, uh, and we did. And then they dredged the, the harbor and opened it and up And now again. they dredge more often. Okay. Like I know they dredged last year. All right. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's real good. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a lot of business that comes in and out for sure. Yeah. But yeah, it was an exciting time. So I thought of a story. Oh, what's that? So I mutinied a boat once. I took over. What? Yeah. So I I have this really good friend. He used to live across. He was a liveaboard as well, and he lived right across from me. And still a very dear friend of mine. And he has, still does, um, has a Chinese junk rig. It's actually, it's still down in the harbor. It just, he's not a liveaboard anymore. So he's this Chinese junk rig, which I had never sailed before. Um, you know, a little different than... Just your regular sailboat. So I agreed to go with him as just an extra pair of hands because he was moving his boat from Ventura to Marina del Rey. And he had hired this captain to um, to get us there. And so it was my friend and me and this captain. Mm-hmm. And we leave the Ventura Harbor just fine. And we're, we're going to motor sail down there just to get down there a little faster and we're kind of right outside of the Oxnar. We're just, you know, we're headed south. We're headed south out of the harbor. Yeah. And we're kind of right in front of the Oxnard Harbor. And the engine goes out. And um, try to try to start it. And the captain at this point has lost his cool, right? <laughs> he's, he's no longer cool, calm, and collected fella, right? <laughs> And I'm like, well, and the, and it no wind, right? So mm-hmm. we weren't gonna sail. It was just kind of bobbing around, and so essentially we were dead in the water. Yeah, and um, couldn't get the engine started. My, to me, it was fuel because I had just taken my small engines class with the power squadron. Nice. And I was like, because oh, it would start up, mm-hmm. and then it like chug 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 out, right? Yep. And so it was. Yep. Um, me it was and and because i had kind of had the same problem with my boat and so i learned about all of that yeah anyways so we couldn't get the engine started and at this point it's maybe like an hour later we are drifting into 
the rocks coming in. You know, we were getting nervously close to them. Right. And so we had, um, my friend had vessel assist and we called in to vessel assist and um, the they called the Ventura Harbor Patrol. And the Harbor Patrol wanted us to drop our anchor. Right. So at least like. Which which would have, yeah, that was the first thing that came to my right? mind. Right. And, and so like I, I went and checked the windlass and I was like, okay, the windlass works. We'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And um, the captain wouldn't let us drop the anchor. And, and and so at, at this point, I'm on the phone with Harbor Patrol yeah. on my cell phone because he... Okay, so let me back up. But even if the anchor didn't catch, it would save you time. It would right. drag. It would drag. Like there would be... You yeah. Know, you're buying yourself minutes at it, least. Right, exactly. And more. so he... So this captain we had with us um, was fighting verbally on the radio mm-hmm. with vessel assist. And, and I think this is when I called, I, I somehow got on my cell phone and called, was on the phone with Harbor Patrol. And I was like, this guy is nuts. Like, and so I called my friend down below and I was like, do you mind if I take over? And I was like, he's like, what? And I was like, I'm going to mutiny the boat. I'm now captain. <laughs> I'm, and, and, and he was like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Right. Like, he's like, this isn't going well. And so the the cap the captain um was just like completely irrational right like all worked up and to me as a captain you can be worked up you can't let anybody know you're worked up (laughs) and and i just kind of said a few swear words to him and told him to sit down and shut up and you're no longer in charge i'm in charge and he listened to i think he was so (laughs) taken aback that like little old me was like no this is I, he just wasn't somebody you trusted at this point. Yeah. And so I, I told him to sit down and shut up and like bleepity bleep bleep bleep. Just so you know, folks, Greta, how, how, like <laughs> you weigh, I, I don't know how much you weigh. I'm not going to ever ask that. But like, let's put it this way. When you're wet, it's still pretty darn light. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not a very large human being in yeah. my physique. Yep. Um, personality. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> courage galore, but, um, uh, but yeah. yeah. So so um, the woman, a woman from Harbor Patrol, came and 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 got us. Mm-hmm. So I dropped anchor, I dropped sail, and um, made everybody put their life vests on. Nice. And the, a woman came, and she was going to tow us in, and um, and th- this captain guy starts like spouting off to her. Like kind of condescendingly, oh, wow. and I was like, "I thought I told you to shut up." <laughs> and so then we get into Oxnard Harbor, and um, the vessel assist guy is there to like how he was going to help us get back to our home harbor. And as soon as he actually saw who our captain was, he punched the guy and knocked him out. Was like because they okay, so they started yelling at each other, oh and he was like, "Get off the boat!" And I was like, "Yeah, you need to get off my boat now." <laughs> and he like is walking down the ramp onto back onto the dock, and the guy from Vessel Assist and this captain were yelling at each other, and the guy was like, "I've had problems with you before," and he just clocks him and knocks the guy out. The Vessel Assist guy. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Do they get paid extra for that? Like, how, how is that? <laughs> I don't know. It was so awesome. And then 
So then my friend was actually, he couldn't come back to Ventura because it was on the first of the month and he had given up his slip, right? It was probably like the 30th of the month and he had given up his slip to go down to Marina del Rey. So the vessel assist was kind enough to tow us all the way down to Marina del Rey. Oh, wow. And they had the gold membership, best 50 bucks you could spend, (laughs) (laughs) right? Get your vessel assist. And, um... And there's my pitch for USA Boats. Yeah, Pay this, your $50. Oh, this, this podcast is a, it's just a get mint gold, waiting to happen. Get the gold. Don't get the silver. Jeez. Get the gold membership. There you go. Vessel assist. And we ate we we ate potatoes and read our books. And it took us like four hours to get towed mm-hmm. down to Marina Del Rey. And it was like my friend. It was just my friend and I on the boat at this point. And he and I had so much fun. It bonded us for life. Yeah. And we, and then... I didn't know how I was getting home from Marina Del Rey, so I, like, stuck on my thumb <laughs> to, like, all these boats going by, and I was like, anybody going back up to Oxnard Ventura, and I hitchhiked back on a boat Oh, great! coming up, and then when I got into, like, cell range of Oxnard, I called the vessel assist guy back, and I was, because the boat was going into Oxnard, and I still needed to get up to Ventura, so I called the vessel assist guy, and I was like, and then he brought me, we went and got donuts afterwards, and he brought me home. (laughs) That was probably the craziest, like, but again, I was newer, right? I, I had, was probably, like, maybe two or three years into boating, so much more comfortable i knew what i was doing at that point Mm -hmm. but still like would not i've learned i just would never have put myself you know it it, without knowing the people first so but that that was the day i mutinied a boat and took over as captain and got to wear the fancy hat and was this guy was he a paid captain he was a paid captain i'm pretty sure he had his captain's license all right, well, I got a story about that. But before I do, I got to know, was it a fuel issue? It was, yeah. So what he was had, the actual issue? He had... Just so folks he, can learn, um, you know. The diesel, you get the bacteria that grows in your diesel. Yep. Yeah, and so, like, when he, when we opened up the fuel... Because we did this while we were under... When we were getting towed to uh-huh. Marina Del Rey. We, we were digging, and the fuel filter looked like it had a, um, a jellyfish in it. Okay. It was like gooey, is like this clear gooey, and so it was the bacteria that you get if you don't put the, the whatever you put in it to add okay. into and, your and that, diesel tank. And that's just from stagnant fuel. Stagnant fuel. Yeah. All right. So yeah, folks, that's a very important lesson. If you got, if you have not used your boat in a while, it yeah, stagnant fuel. There, there's lots of issues. You can get water buildup and you have yeah bacterial build buildup. My theory is it all settles. Mm-hmm. And we were fine. The engine was running fine. It was all settled. And then when we got out into the ocean and we were rocking around, it agitated it. Yeah. And and then then it got pumped through. Yeah. And and yeah. And Raycor filters. I mean, I I don't know. I'm not an expert on that bacteria thing. I I know water wise, like they should be able to handle that. Right. You just you just kind of empty out the water excess. I mean, you couldn't fill. It was I literally was like trying to put a jelly. We opened up the fuel filter and the top of it, like that little yeah catch basin in it, was just and and I haven't worked goo. It was like a gel. Okay, and I haven't worked on smaller boats. Do you guys usually have? Two fuel filters? I or? only have one on mine. You only one. And okay, this boat so... only had... It was a Yanmar. It only had one. Okay. Yeah, I'm used to bigger boats. So I guess... Yeah, That's so the you, only you... reason I brag about knowing that it was a fuel 
problem was because I thought it was a fuel problem and I was right. No, I, mean, <laughs> I wouldn't have added that to the story if I was wrong. Well, no, and that's a good call. I mean, you'd be amazed how many, oh my gosh, like just, just listening to the sound of your engine, what it does right before it dies. Um, yeah, you can diagnose. So, I mean, you can diagnose almost anything. Like I, I've always been really good at diagnosing problems. I kind of suck at fixing things, but I'm really good at diagnosing it. Um, mm-hmm. And and yeah, it's like you said, that kachoke, kachoke, and then now it's dead. Like, oh, it's, okay, that's fuel. If it right. dies instantly, it's either electrical or it's air. You know? Right. It's one of the two. Right. Um, if it makes, if it's, if it goes, if it makes like a big clang, yeah, yeah, just screwed up your engine. You probably should have not, you should, Whatever check, you you should have checked the oil. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and again, like yeah, so. I, I had just taken a small engines course mm-hmm. um, and it was kind of like lawnmowers and boats. Like it was just a general small engines course. Yeah. But I had just taken it. Like, I think even now, five years later, I might not be able to diagnose as well. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, and even then, I mean, it's, I know looking at engines, you're just like, oh, my God, it looks very complex. But but really, break it down. It's You got fuel. You got air. You got cooling that has to happen. Mm-hmm. You got oil. That's it. It's one of those four. Yeah. Like, something. if Igniting if, if, the battery, you yeah. know. Yeah. Oh, sure. Is it getting sure any? That too. There yeah. you go. But that, you know, that. Yeah, so you got the electrical, I guess, but that's it. Like, it, yeah, it's only one of those problems, right? <laughs> or some variant thereof. Yeah. Um, yeah, even the, the color of the smoke coming, you can tell what the problem is. Yeah. You know, based off the smoke color, so lots of things. Anyway, that's good. That's awesome. But yeah, this um, man, my, I mean, I definitely have some paid captain stories, but, <laughs> but one, one I remember when you were telling about this guy reminded me of we were in. Um, we were in Jack London Square in Oakland. Mm, mm-hmm. And so Chieftain Lady, we would dock at Jack London Square. Lady on, well, it doesn't really matter. But anyway, Chieftain would take the inside dock there. There was like the, the main dock there. Mm-hmm. And we dock on either side of it. Chieftain taking the inside because she was smaller, a little more maneuverable had with the two propellers. And and I remember we were sitting there docked and I started hearing some commotion on, on Hawaiian Chieftain. And I, was, and I was like, what's going on? And then I see this, these little yachty mass... And and they're like, oh crap, because they were this yacht mass was getting fouled up mm-hmm. with with the 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 yards of Hawaiian Chieftain. I'm like, oh, that's that's no good. So you know, kind of kind of start heading over there, and uh, and and I look, and this this captain clearly did not know what was going on. I could see Chieftain crew trying to like like adjust the braces and try to get this guy free, and one of their one of Chieftain crew members jumped on this guy's yacht. So. Um, I think had Captain been, had Shiny been the captain of the Hawaiian Chieftain, he definitely would have jumped on, but but he wasn't there, so yeah, I forget who the captain was. I think he was an older fellow, but I was just like, geez, well, if they're jumping on, I might as well too. So boom, I jump on. I was captain lady at the time, and uh, you know I knew not to. I wasn't going to touch anything. I wasn't going to cause a problem, but uh, but at the same time, this guy obviously needed some help, and so it was a fifty-three footer, if I remember, fifty-three, fifty-four feet. Mm-hmm. So. You know, as far as yachts go, it's just like you're not single handing. Yeah, you're you're getting yeah. you're getting moder- well. You could single hand it because I had a bow thruster. So <laughs> so I quickly so I quickly you know talked. The guy gets off the chieftain, and he's trying to dock literally like I forget how many feet away, like 20, 25 feet away. I mean, really close by. 
and and he but he's like you know kind of pulls out and goes back so in the in the process of pulling out and kind of coming back and doing this loop around to come back i'm, I'm talking to him like oh okay, what, what do you got two propellers yeah two propellers okay right right you know they they alternate they're you know i wanted to determine there wasn't a specific way the boat would walk you know, right they're they're right. they were opposing propellers okay great got that oh bow thruster you have a bow thruster okay well this is this is going to be easy yeah so we, we come back in and he had to make a you know a tight uh, if I remember correctly, a tight left hand turn and then get onto the dock, and uh, like a 180, 180 basically get back on the dock. And so I just talked him through it. I literally, I did. I crossed my arms. I didn't mm-hmm. touch a thing. But I'm just like, okay. And now you need to, you know, idle ahead with the, with that engine. Yeah, do this. Blah, blah, blah. Engage your bow thruster. No, engage your bow thruster. Don't just because he would just like for a split second, like boom, like yeah. That's not how that works. Like engage it. All right, hold, you know, just hold that steady. Do this with the All right, now disengage your bow and basically talked him through the docking. And I don't know if the guy was drunk or mm. just really bad at his job. Or, or once what. you get nervous, your brain chemistry changes. Maybe. Right? I mean, I remember he told me, he's like, oh, there's all this current in here. It's like, there's no current. Yeah. Or, or, and I think he said the wind. It's like, there's no wind. You have, yeah. You have less than five knots of wind and we're sheltered and you have, there's no current. Like, yeah. There's, Period. There's no excuse for him to not dock that vessel. Well, another shout out to your listeners is I think one of the best things that somebody ever did for me in my learning was I had, I call him my boat guy. He's like, if mm-hmm. I have any boat problems, he's a mechanic. He's a boat mechanic. He's very popular in venture. He's fan- fantastic. His name's Steve Lynn, if you need a boat mechanic. Okay. Um, but he just spent time with me and we would take a windy day and we would dock 20 times and he was there to take over and I would be nervous yeah and he was there to like if we were gonna crash he would take over yeah but we would do we would go in my slip out of my slip down and around come back in my slip out of my slip and I probably docked a thousand times with Steve in every condition possible when I didn't have people watching or you don't have people, uh, you know, other people on board. And so it almost becomes a muscle memory. And you can, you learn like, Steve, it's really windy out. Can we go dock my boat 20 times today until you, you get the feel for it? You can't wait until you're in that situation and then learn. Right. Right. And you, and it's nice to have somebody walk you through it. That's cool, calm and collected because Absolutely. you can't lose your cool. Um, because if you're flustered again, if you flustered, your brain chemistry changes, you don't think the same. And so you're maybe not making the best decisions. It's true. So that would be my other like, like you took me out to anchor. Remember? Yeah, I remember that. You I were remember the first time because I don't have a windlass, and I was like, "Who can I get to pull up this anchor?" <laughs> you had I need to go pretend like no, I did. I really needed to learn how to anchor. Yeah, no, we talked about it, and we went and anchored yeah. out and here. And you know, you know, I wasn't going to let myself get a finger ripped off. Yeah, exactly. Uh, on of tall ships, so. but we did that enough times where I was comfortable to be mm-hmm. able to do it on my own. Yeah. And, but not when I'm out at the islands under pressure with it's windy. Yeah. You know, we did it on a good day. and like. Yeah, we just did it in the inner harbor here. And uh, and I remember, too, 
what happened? Did we lose a fender or something happened? There was a fender. Oh, I don't remember. Probably I, I left it down and was embarrassed. No, because... it wasn't. It wasn't that cool because it came loose. Like it was actually a drift. Oh, I don't remember. I think we picked up. Did a we did a man overboard with my fender? Essentially, I don't think it was <laughs> I don't yours. I, that. I think like this fender was flowing by. I'm like, oh, Greta, let's just go pick up that fender. And and I remember you, you saying like as you were doing, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. you start doing it, you're like. Yawn, I couldn't have done this a few months ago. And I was like, it's fine. We'll, we'll do it. We'll figure this out. Yeah. So, and we did. And that was good practice too. Yeah. You know, Maneuvering. To, yeah. yeah. And so, we joke that those are man overboard drills. Well, mylar balloons. Don't buy mar- mylar balloons. No. They're yeah. like the worst. I can't believe don't they're do even that, legal. Folks. Don't do that. Yeah. And there's a shortage of helium anyway on the planet. So seriously, just, yeah. just stop it. I, I, but we, anytime we see mylar balloons out sailing, we, you know, do the yeah. man overboard drill and we'll go get them. No, it's true. It's um, and it's it's good practice. Cause but yeah, practicing stuff and yeah, because most you're objects in the situation. Yeah, a lot of like you don't want to practice against a stationary object and start. Right. Oh, I'm gonna maneuver close to this. Like, don't do that. No, I mean, yeah. well, do that. I mean, that's also good practice, but um, but not as yeah, not as good as a mylar balloon. It's not gonna hurt your boat. But right. you do have to factor in a balloon is gonna blow. Like a person will drift with the water, mm-hmm. but they're not going to be blown by the water, whereas right. a balloon will. So you do have to kind of keep that in mind right. as you're sailing. But even that's good practice. Like, oh, mm-hmm. well, actually, that's not true. So it's often a good practice in heavy winds to get to windward of the person you're trying to rescue. Mm. And basically you get, because your vessel is going to have more windage than that little head bobbing up and down. Mm-hmm. And so you basically just, you know, a lot of times... Um, yeah, I mean, that's 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 one of the tricks is you get to windward and then just let your boat literally just blow onto the person and mm-hmm. it's slow, it's steady. You're also creating a lee for that person, so if it's heavier swells and they're starting to take on, you know, get a little water in their mouth, that kind of thing, or in their lungs, you can you can help that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of just an all around. It's it's one of the tricks. I mean, I'm, it's you know, I wouldn't say do it 100 percent of the time, but most of the time it seems to work pretty well. Right. Uh, yeah. Cool. The, uh, yeah, no, you did a great job that day. That was fun. That was it was cool. fun day. That was cool. What was I gonna say? There was something I was going to say. I can't remember. Um, oh yeah. Getting flustered. And, uh, I got an embarrassing story to say. So I had never, I never had it happen. Not really. Not, not well, uh, not well, not after having become a captain. I never had it where I like lost it. Like you were describing where it's just like, I don't know what to do, you know? Yeah. But the closest I've come since was, so I recently started doing whale watching boats. Oh, right. Yeah. And, uh, and it, and, and I did not expect the learning curve to be as long as, and hard as steep as it was. And, you know, I expected to just get on this boat. It was you know, a little over What well, are they like the Island Packer boats? Similar. Yeah. You big catamarans. Yeah. And I, I couldn't figure out why I was having trouble. And, um, and at one point we were, we were docking. So it's a little different. I, I never had a, a vessel where I'd had, you know, twin screw boats. So I was used to that concept, but I had, it wasn't used to the concept of walking the boat out where basically you, um, on this vessel, you, you know, if you're trying to go to port, you put your helm hard to starboard, you know, and then, and then you, you basically switch up. So your, your starboard's going forward, your revert, your, uh, port engine's going in reverse, and, you know, and, and, if, and it's, it's interesting that if you, if you I'm not going to explain in, in long term how the, the forces kind of cancel each other out, but basically you effectively go sideways and then eventually uh, that rudder, the, you know, your, your, your forward engine is going to overpower your reverse. And so you start going forward and eventually your rudder will overpower. So you're going to start, you know, coming to, to one uh, to starboard eventually. But in before that you have probably, you know, 
I forget how many seconds, but a good amount of time where you're going to go 20 feet sideways or, or 15 feet sideways before you start going forward. So you basically walk the boat out. I was getting used to that concept and just the fact that there were a lot of things that were giving me issue, which I didn't understand until I really thought about it. But at one point we were coming into dock and I was just used to, you know, feathering. You're just quickly switching up engines and feathering them a little bit and just, just kind of making the boat do what it needed to do. And, uh, yeah, and I never had it where I could start to feel like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm actually starting to get a little, little riled up here. And, and the captain was training me immediately. You know, he took over. He's like, hands off the, you know, everything neutral, hands off. And, you know, it's like, okay, fair enough. And like, look what your boat's doing. Yep. And he basically talked me through the docking. And that was, that was kind of the first time that I was embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, shoot. Um, but it was good. It was a humbling experience. Yeah. You know, I learned. And once I thought about it, I was like, because why am I having so much trouble here? This is ridiculous. I should not be having this much trouble. But the reality was each of those engines was three times the amount of horsepower I'm used to having mm. on just one. Like, because like, mm -hmm. they were 600 horsepower engines. I'm used to having a 200, 250 horsepower engine. So you can't, you know, you, 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 it's just different. Right. Um, and even, you know, and then even the walking and not, you know, walking, the, it's a different concept. You're, everything's done at idle. Which, right. which for me is like, I'm used to just being able to give it a little more juice right. and you kind of have a little more control. So everything's done in slow motion, which is very tricky. It's a tight docking situation. It was. Mm -hmm. uh, but then the other thing, the biggest factor was I was used to having for 15 years, I've had the boat in front of me. And now all the boats behind me and I can't see behind me. Oh, right. Like, that was the biggest thing, I think. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so it just, I had to wrap my head around that. And once I did that, it, it got a lot better. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, okay, this is, you know, now, and so hadn't had that problem since. Right. So neither before nor since, but, Can but it's good. It's good to try different, uh, different boats and, and just challenge yourself, but in a controlled way, like you said, with someone who can help you. All right, Greta. Well, I would hate to end an episode on a very embarrassing and humbling story about <laughs> me. So, and I don't want to end on a, any embarrassing or humbling stories about you. But if if you could get a boat again, live aboard. I mean, would you change anything? Um, I wouldn't change anything. I I have definitely enjoyed my time on this boat. Um, I think I've outgrown this boat and would love a bigger, nicer, more accommodating boat, but. I absolutely love my lifestyle down here and I definitely wouldn't change it at all. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much, Greta. I'm very happy we met. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> likewise. Yeah. And uh, thank you so much for doing this interview. Uh, of course. All right, folks. Well, thank you for listening. Hope you got hope you got some good knowledge out of this. Uh, my, na my name is Captain Johan and uh, this was Knock on Knowledge and Nonsense. Uh, feel free to oh well check out like we said your, your local yacht club please go down there go sailing with them I'm, and there's lots of good people check out the power if you're if you're an owner of a yacht check out your local power club maybe is that what it's called power and power sail squadron. squadron yeah power and sail squadron uh, they will help you out and uh, yeah go to your local maritime museum check out your local tall ship if you got one please folks or support them and uh, buy my book if you get a chance we got my books for sale you guys must know about by now and support if you can support me any way you could that'd be terrific so i can keep pumping out these episodes uh patreon's a good way i should be on patreon and with that folks wishing everybody out there fair winds and a following sea.